joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melts the clouds of sin and sadness. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning again. Let's go to God in prayer as we get started this morning. God, we're so grateful to be in your presence, to be in the presence of the great light that you are. And we pray this morning that as we open up your word, that we... Uh, look into it with open hearts, with sincere hearts, with hearts willing to change, God, uh, that we just try to walk away from this moment closer to you, more committed to you, more devoted to you, God. We thank you for the songs that have been sung. We thank you for the chance to gather around uh, your table and to commune with one another in a spiritual way as we uh, commune with you in that moment. We thank you for your son's sacrifice. We thank you for his willingness to die for us so that we may have hope, so we may have forgiveness, so we may have grace and mercy in, it, in its abundance. Be with us now. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm excited because I'm excited for a lot of reasons. Um, but I, this morning, as, as we kind of got into the day, I, I was probably like a lot of you this morning as, as kind of the morning started. How many of you kind of feel maybe a little draggy this morning. It's been a busy week. Um, it's been a busy week. A lot has probably happened from Tuesday to today. For those of us that saw each other Tuesday, uh, it's uh, lots of family has been seen. Um, there's still like a lot of family is still being seen. I'm looking over here at the Dobbs pew and I'm like, I'm looking at my future. Like that's, um, that's an exciting future to look at too uh, for, for us. But uh, it, it's just, I, I was, Kind of got up this morning and I had some more work I had to kind of finish up to get ready and finish for today. I was just dragging getting out of bed, but being with you this morning, being in class this morning, uh, sharing in worship with you today, uh, it, it always perks me up and puts me in, in a better place as we begin our sermon together. And I hope that by the time you walk out of here this morning, that maybe you are a little more energized and hopefully on fire than when you walked in. So, 2022 is coming to an end. As, as we kind of celebrate Thanksgiving, it kind of brings us to that natural kind of downhill slide towards the end of the year. And the end of the year uh, brings us, maybe for, for many of us, the busiest time of year, right? The busiest time of year is we're kind of into officially the holiday seasons. I'm just curious, just curious how many of you are pre-Thanksgiving, the Christmas tree is up in my house. Okay, how many of you are like Christmas is not allowed till after Turkey Day is over? How many of you could care less about Christmas? None. Just so we're we're in that mood, we're in that direction, right? We're we're moving that way. We're going to pray for Pam, and uh, we'll get her there with us. No, and so it's it's just kind of this this busy time of year. But this time of year, every year. I'm kind of in the process, we're really kind of starting in September, but I'm kind of in the process of planning for next year's sermons and, and, and getting kind of in the direction. And as we came into 2022, uh, we were looking at, you know, a year and a half of just 
uneasiness and unsettledness from 2020 and then to 2021. Everything was COVID, 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 you know, and we, and we, and we, were, we were apart for a period of time. And then when we did get to come back, we weren't all back together. And then finally a year later, we were all back together. But then things kind of happened. We were together sometimes, sometimes like it was just an up and down. So as we came into 2022, as we came into this year, I decided that we were just going to kind of hit the reset button, if you will. And we were just going to get back to basic. And we were just going to talk about Jesus. And so we started the year in the book of Mark, and we talked about Jesus from the book of Mark for, for a period of time, for a couple of months. Then we went to 1 Thessalonians, and we talked about now that we've spent time with Jesus himself, how do we respond to Jesus? So we were still talking about Jesus, but talking about him in a little bit different way. And then as the school year started and we got into August, we looked at several of the I Am statements from Scripture. From, from, um, from, the, from the Gospels and Jesus in his own words saying, this is who I am. And so that's kind of taken up the majority of our, of our time in, in this room together. But as we come to the end of the year, I wanted us to end where we began, and that is with Jesus. But instead of in the Gospels, I, Jonathan and I had, had spent some try, time trying to figure out kind of where we, where we finish together uh, as this year wraps up. And we came across this wonderful passage from the book of Isaiah. And we just really loved the description of Jesus in this particular passage. So 700 years or so before Jesus, Isaiah is a prophet that comes into the people of Israel, comes into the, to God's nation, and, and his job was, was very important. At times he gave them warnings, at times he gave them praises, and then at times, as we see in this particular passage from Isaiah 9 that Bruce read for us just a moment ago, we see that he has kind of visions of, of what is to come. And in this particular passage, he mentions or looks ahead and talks about the idea, shares that Jesus is coming. And not just that Jesus is coming, but that there is going to be an awesomeness about Jesus. And he describes him in four wonderful ways, no pun intended this morning. <coughs> but he says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called, say these phrases with me, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, I didn't hear you because you're still kind of tired this morning. Let's pep it up a little bit. Say it with me. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So what we're going to do over this week and the following three weeks is we're going to take each one of these titles that Isaiah gives Jesus, and we're going to break them down and look at them in our own life, and, and how we can kind of claim this great gift of Jesus in our life. So we begin with this idea of wonderful counselor, and, and that is a, a great idea, and that is a, a beautiful description, but for, for the Holy Spirit to inspire him to write this, for God to give him this vision, there has to be something significant about it. And, and I believe that there is great significance in the idea that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. So let's begin by just breaking these words apart. And thinking about what they mean kind of individually from a biblical perspective and how they, then how they tie together and how we live with this wonderful counselor in our life. So when we hear the word wonderful, especially this time of year, uh, we think of great things, right? We think when we hear wonderful, we think of beautiful. When we hear wonderful, we think 
of, of maybe something uh, that is pleasant, maybe something that is delightful, uh, something that is awesome. I, I asked my class this morning to, to kind of des- describe that word, and they came up with all these different words that kind of falls in line with the idea of wonderful. But I believe that from a biblical perspective, uh, although God is pleasant, God is awesome, God is delightful, I believe that this word maybe has an even greater and deeper meaning uh, for us in this description because this is the same word that David is going to use when you go to Psalms chapter 78. So in Psalms chapter 78, he's going to use this word that was translated wonderful. He's going to use it as the word wonder, but it's the same Hebrew word, and I want you to look at it. It says, they forgot what, they ha- what he had done. So you've got the people of Israel are kind of going through their routine, going through their life, going through things, and and I think we're guilty of this. They forgot what he had done. Who is he? What God had done. Sometimes we get so busy, we get so wrapped up in our own schedule, we get so wrapped up in the demands of what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish that we forget. How many of you have ever forgot? All of us have forgotten. All of us get too busy, and God kind of gets put on the back burner at times. But what does it say that they forgot? That they had forgotten the wonders that he had shown them. And, and that's the same word, the wonders that he had shown them. Then he's going to describe them. He says that he did miracles in the sight of their ancestors, in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zoan. He divided the seas and led them through. He made the waters stand up like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day and with the light from the fire all night. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them water as abundant as the seas. And so when he uses the word wonder here, what he's describing are the great things that God had done for the people of Israel as they're leaving Egypt. He's describing how awesome, how powerful, how magnificent these things are. And that, but, but they're things that when you look at them, I mean, just imagine this moment right here, okay? Imagine this moment. You're standing on the, on the banks of the Red Sea, and you've got, you've got the people, of, you've got the army of Egypt coming behind you, and there's part of you that like, well, it's funny how it lasted, you know? And then all of a sudden, Moses stands up, and he picks up the staff, and, and, and the waters in front of you just stand up like two walls. And there's dry ground for you to walk on. And, and, and you begin to walk. I'm sure there was some nervousness. I know I would be a little nervous. I mean, there would naturally be nervousness, you know, a lot of anxiety in that moment, but also a lot of just, wow, right? A lot of just wow. I mean, they had seen some pretty cool things in Egypt. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I mean, that was the greatest empire and dynasty up till its time. They had accomplished great things from a human perspective. But wow. And then as they're going through, as they're in the wilderness for 40 years, y'all, he guided them in a cloud by day and a fire by night. God's presence was always right there with them. You could just go outside and you could see the presence of God and just go, wow. And then as they're thirsty, and, and I love the, the description here. It's not just that he split the rock in the wilderness and gave them water. How much water did he give them? 
What does it say? That it was as abundant as the seas. It just flowed and it flowed and it flowed and it flowed and it kept coming and it kept coming and it kept going and it kept going. And people just looked at it and went, what? Okay, let's try that again. People looked at it and went, what? Wow. So when he talks about wonderful in Isaiah, and he's talking about the wonderful counselor, I believe he's talking about us looking at Jesus and going, wow, this is amazing. Jesus is so much greater and so much wonderful than anything else. Yeah, he's pleasant and he's delight, but he's also wonderful. And so as we define wonderful for us in this particular context, I think we define it as wonderful is when God is on display. When God is on display. And what I believe we're going to see as, as we dig into this particular idea today is that God wants you through the counselor, and we're going to talk about that word in just a second, through the counselor, he wants your life to be what? Wonderful. He wants your life to be wonderful. He wants people to look at you and your life and see God on display. And when they see God on display in your life, he wants them to have the same reaction to your life as they did to the sea at the Red Sea, to the splitting of the rock, to all these wonders that God has done. He wants people to look at you and your life and in your marriage and in the raising of your kids and the way you do your job and maybe even in your singleness. And as you're just living for God and putting him on display and living this wonderful life. He wants people to look at you and go, wow, how do you live this way? There's something different. There's something more powerful. There's something more impressive about your life because your life seems wonderful and not wonderful in the way of the world, but it's wonderful because you have the counselor. So what does it mean to have the counselor? Well, I think we go back. I think when we think of counselors, many of us think it's that, of that person that you sit in a room with and talk about your problems and talk about your challenges with, you know, that person that you come to when you have maybe baggage and pains and hang-ups in your life. And don't get me wrong, God wants to heal you. God wants to have a relationship with you that when you do have that baggage, those pains, those struggles, those hang-ups, that you come to God and he helps you and gives you the ability to work through those things. But I don't believe that that's what he means here with the idea of counselor. If you go back again to the book of Psalms, he's going to use this word again, and I believe it gives us the depth of it. In Psalms 32 and verse 8, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And then he says, I will counsel you, and I love this, with my loving eye on you. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. So when I think of the idea of counselor here, I think that we're talking about God, Jesus offering helpful instruction with his loving insight. So we have this wonderful, awesome, amazing God, this amazing Jesus, this amazing Savior, this wonderful Savior, who is here to offer us helpful instruction with his loving insight. So he wants us to have a wonderful life, a wow life through Jesus. But I'm going to tell you this morning, you don't get wow, you don't get wonderful without the counselor. You following me? 
we look for so many different things to put in our life to make it wonderful. We look for pleasurable things. We look for comfortable things. We look for convenient things. We look at all these things because we want our life to be wonderful. I've never met a single person who doesn't want their life to be wonderful, who doesn't want their life to be better than it is right here in this moment right now. I think that's just kind of part of us. We want better. We want more. You know, we want wonderful. But as children of God, true spiritual Christ, God, Holy Spirit, wonderful. Only come when I say I'm going to allow the counselor, I'm going to allow Jesus, and I think we take it a step further and say God and the Holy Spirit into our life. So the question then, as we kind of dig a little bit deeper, is how do I find, that's the title here, finding the wonderful counselor, I'm going to give you five things very quickly that I believe from a biblical perspective and just from a ministry perspective that I believe helps us find the wonderful counselor. The first thing here is check your pride. The first idea here is check your pride. And the reason I start here with this idea uh, is because for someone to counsel me, for Jesus to give me instruction, I have to put myself in a place where I'm open to instruction. And, and just like I, I've never found anybody that really doesn't want a more wonderful life, I've also never met a whole lot of people who just love to volunteer to have people tell them what to do. Okay, how many of you just love it when someone just comes in and they just decide, you're doing it wrong and I'm going to tell you how to do it right? Anybody just really enjoy that? You know, it's a pride thing, right? We, we, don't, we want to do things our way. We want our ways to succeed. We want our ways to be profitable. We want our ways to be the best idea. But for us to really find the wonderful counselor, to allow Jesus into our life that way, the first thing we have to do is we have to put our pride aside. And I believe that that's something that we all understand. I believe that's something that we all would agree with. But I do think it's something that maybe we all at times struggle with. And in the way we struggle with it, I believe, is in this idea of maybe we camouflage it. Okay, Maybe, maybe we just don't come and say, I have a pride issue. But maybe we use a, a phrase like this and we say, well, you know, there was a time that I really needed God. And man, he was right there with me. I mean, I was going through this struggle. And the only thing I had left was God. And I mean, I leaned on him. And I mean, he just saw me right there. Without God in that moment, I would have never overcome this. But listen to that. There was a time that I needed God. I had tried everything, and all I had left was God. Where is the pride in that? The pride is in, number one, thinking that there is a time that you might not need God that you might, might, you might be able to deal with all this stuff on your own. And I've tried everything, and all I had left was God was my last resort. We have to understand that no matter how well things are going in our life, no matter how well we may think we're prepared to face something, we always need the counsel of Jesus. Amen? Jesus always has something to give us. We never outgrow the need of Jesus. You know something I've learned in my life, and, and I thought that, that, that this would change, and I think a lot of you understand this. I thought that there would come a time in my life as I grew up 
that my parents would quit parenting me, right? And, and, and what, I, what I've learned is there is a time in my life where my parents quit raising me, correct? Where they said, I've given you the tools, I've given you everything that, that you need to go and be an adult and be, be successful, um, and, and now you've got to figure some things out on your own. But I, I realize more and more every day that my parents still parent. Because when I'm facing a challenge, when I'm facing a new thing, a new situation, who are usually some of the first people I call and talk to? My parents. And ask them, how have you dealt with this? When you, when we, we, what, what's your take on this? What, what do you, and it's like, no matter how smart or how grown up I feel that I am, I realize more and more, yes, my parents might be smarter than me. I still need them. And it's that way with Jesus to the, to the infinite extent that no matter where you are, you still need Jesus. So put your pride aside and allow him to counsel you in your life. The next thing I want to give you is find your place. Find your place. We see with Jesus so many different times that as he's dealing with things, I think maybe one of my favorite is in the book of John, after he fed the 5,000. Um, that's one of the, the biggest miracles of Jesus. But it says, at the end of that story, he says, knowing that they intended to make him king by force, he withdrew to a private spot. Jesus had a habit of finding a place where he could just be alone with God where he could just be alone with God. There are times in our lives that we are so busy and everything's going on and there's so much. So we were at, we were at my mom's yesterday and my family's there and my brother's family's there. And between the two of us, there's eight grandkids. There's eight grandkids. And six of them, five of them are like five years and younger. And y'all, it was chaos in that house. And my aunt, who does not handle it, now, me and Blair and my brother and my sister-in-law, like, we just, Tanner, you get to tune it out. Bruce, like, you not just, just tune that mess out. Like, like noise? What noise? You know, I got, I gave Jana my noise-canceling headphones. I'm like, try these. She goes, I need a pair of these. I'm like, the only way you get through life some days, you know? Just tune it all out. But it, it was just this constant, constant. But if you're not used to that, my aunt was like, okay, I've got to leave. I've got to go to my daughter's house and get away from all of this. But that happens to us in our, in our, in our spiritual walk as well, that the world, Satan does it. He puts so much noise and racket and distraction, and it's so important for us to find our place, our place where we get away from all of that and we find God. And it's not that God's not in those other places, because he's everywhere. He's, he's in the chaos. He's in the blessing. He's in the challenge. Okay, he's in all these places. But as we see Jesus, Jesus would find a way to put himself in a place where he could find the mindset and shut the distractions out so that he could hear God more clearly. I can hear God in the chaos, but for me, like my favorite place to hear God. And I had a guy really make fun of me for this one time. And you'd think if this is why I hear God, I'd do this more often. My favorite place to hear God's on the lawnmower. 
on the lawnmower. Put my earbuds in. There's no kids around. It's, it's just very, you know, nothing's, nothing's distracting me. And, and, I, and I put on usually some type of church leadership or sermon podcast, and I just listen to these things, and I just try to soak in God. For some of you, it's in the woods. For some of you, it's at the beach. For some of you, it may be on the end of your couch, wrapped up in a blanket. For some of you, it, I don't know where it is for you. But find your place to where when you go there, you open yourself up to really hear God. And when you get there, say your prayers. When you get there, talk to him. He's our counselor, right? What do counselors want you to do? They want you to? That's not what they want you to do. They want you to talk. How good does it do to go to a counselor and never say anything? It does no good at all. I I love this verse, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 5. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And I I love this because sometimes this is what we do. Sometimes I'm afraid to pray for wisdom because if I pray for wisdom, God's going to give me a challenge so that I can grow in wisdom. That's not what that verse says. Okay, And I've been guilty of saying that. I've been guilty of that idea that, man, if I I pray for wisdom, if I pray for patience, what's going to be challenged? My patience, right? If I pray for wisdom, what's going to be challenged? My wisdom. That's not what this verse says. This verse says, if you lack wisdom, you should what first? You should, you should ask. I'm going to get you to wake up before we get done. You should ask. Why should you ask? Because God gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be what? Given. Given. Not go through this challenge and struggle and when you get on the other side of it, he just says, if you lack it and you need it, you're trying to figure it out, he says, talk to God about it. Pray about it. And when you ask him about it, what's he going to do? He's going to give it to you. But now, I will say this. It's, I don't believe that he always just gives it to you directly. Okay, so let's, let's rewind back to 2020 as we're going through our challenges Okay, and we're facing just this wall of challenges, and we're looking at it. We're going, how in the world are we ever going to get over this challenge? I did a lot of praying. I did maybe the most earnest praying that I've ever done in my ministry during that time for a lot of different reasons. But then what I would do, and, and Mr. Albright, I don't know if, if you remember these couple, of, a couple of, of times, but there were a couple of times because David's the one that I contacted first and we talked about this job, and he talked to the committee, and, and he invited me to come down and interview, and so um, I was going to pull David into my problems with me because it was kind of his fault a little bit, and so what i do is I'd pray, and then on a couple of different occasions, I went out and I just talked to David. I said, hey, I, I see this struggle and this struggle, and I went to David because I knew he was a former elder. I knew that he was a great Bible teacher because I'd sat in his classes. I knew that uh, he knew everybody so much better than I knew you. He knew the heart of this church so much better than I knew. And so I knew that the wisdom was out there, and I knew God would give it to me. But sometimes, sometimes he gives it to you by going and talking to those other people in your church, which leads us to number four, trust his people. Okay? So as you're seeking wisdom, as you're seeking the counselor, trust that maybe the way you find the counselor, you find that wisdom that God's going to give it to you is by leaning on the people that are in your church, your brothers and your sisters, 
you know, it, it could be said that David Albright's the answer to my prayers. I don't know. But I found answers because I trusted David, because I talked to God. I found my place. I talked to God, and I trusted his people. And through that, I felt that it gave me a better ability to find answers and, 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 and to lead in certain ways and to give ideas in certain ways. But as we're seeking the counselor, trust his people. He gives us this family for a reason. He gives us this family for a reason. If you're struggling in your marriage, trust that God has someone in this building that can help you with that. If you're struggling in raising children, trust that someone in this building has the wisdom to help you with that. If you're struggling with your job, if you're struggling with just relationships, whatever you're struggling with this morning, find your place, say your prayers, and trust that there's someone in this room that if you go to them and talk to them, they will find, help you or find you, help you find someone that will help you through that moment. Those three things kind of all fall together. And then, and then the last thing I want to give you is this, fight for your pause. Fight for your pause. Maybe one of my favorite short statements about our faith that we find in Scripture is be still and know that I am God. But that idea of be still. Again, like the psalmist said, sometimes it's easy to forget. It's easy to get wrapped up. It's easy to get busy. It's easy for a lot of things to go on and us kind of lose our focus. And, and, and we're going and we're going and we're going. And what we really need, what we really need is a pause. So we had, <coughs> we had some sick kids kind of through the front end of Thanksgiving break, uh, which meant that our plans changed. So Blair and I actually were very blessed, even though we had some sick kids to take care of, we were very blessed that while I've been off this past week, we didn't go anywhere Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Now, we've kind of caught up a little bit with it the last couple of days, but for just four solid days, and for the most part, except for um, London being at home sick, Tuesday, Wednesday, and no, Wednesday and Thursday, for the most part, half of that time, all the kids were gone. So that was nice, you know. And we were just able to pause and stop for a moment and just kind of catch our breath and maybe take a nap if we needed to and start painting the bedroom that she's been trying to get me to paint for two and a half years. And, you know, we're, we're getting, you know, but we did that because we paused. Do you have a hard time finding pause in your life? Really, raise your hand. Do you have a hard time finding pause? I believe you all do. You're just not going to raise your hands this morning. I really think it's not that we have a hard time. I think it's just that we don't pause well. We don't pause well. I've shared this with you before. One statistic that I read one day said that the average, and I think this has probably gone up as, as younger generations have gotten older. Ten years ago I read this. On average, you look at Facebook, if you have Facebook, four times a day. On average, 14 times a day. That's not anything else you do on your phone. That's just looking at that one social media app. And I, like I said, I would venture, Jonathan, you'd probably agree with the, the younger the generation, that number probably goes way up with how often they're on social media on their phones. Okay. So that's an average. Some of you are a lot more. YouTube. Uh, I found this this week. YouTube, people watch one billion hours of YouTube a day. That's not just one person, obviously, but in total, people watch one billion hours of YouTube a day. How many of you contribute to that on a daily basis? Judd and Gary, that's it, okay. 
see the rest of you down front. Come on, guys. Life, come on, wake up. Let's wake up. Netflix made $12.469 billion in 2022 on subscriptions. Over $12 billion. I don't think it's that we don't know how to pause. I think it's just that it doesn't feel natural if our pause doesn't involve scrolling. We stop. I know what the majority of you did all Thanksgiving. You know why? Because you shared it. I stopped and paid attention to what you did. I paused and looked. We need to do a better job of pausing for God and not just filling that time with more noise, but filling it with the Holy Spirit. And it might mean you have to work a little bit harder with that. It might mean that you have to press against natural things that you're naturally doing and retrain yourself to be more spiritual, just more, I'm wasting time. But the only way that we have the wonderful life, the only way we have the wonderful life is if we invite the wonderful counselor to be part of our life. So that brings us to the conclusion of lesson one of he shall be called. Let's close in a word of prayer as we end. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the fact that he is wonderful and that he is our wonderful counselor. We thank you for the love that he shows us and as he tries to guide us and lead us in our life. I thank you for the blessings that come to us through him. And I just pray, God, that each and every one of us, as we wrap up this year, that we'll be willing to look at him, to look at the counselor and say, please, please plant yourself in my life so that I can have a wonderful life, so that people will look at me and see you in every aspect of my life and that they will see your wonders. Be with us as we work through this passage, this text. Thank you so much for it. Thank you for Isaiah and the vision that you gave him. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus. Man to man, ever sing.